Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. I'm Darren Hefty from the Morton Studio today, along with my brother Brian. We're taking your calls and questions all throughout the show today. If you've got a harvest update or an agronomic topic you want to discuss, uh, 844-44-AG-PHD is our phone number. You can also send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, agphd media, Brian Hefty or Darren Hefty. Well, it's a fun day because we're close to wrapping up harvest, which is just the start of the work, as any of you who are farmers know. Uh, that yes, it's nice to get the crop off, but now we got to do all the things to prep that field for next year. And you coming out of 2018, not being able to get those things done in 2019, there definitely is a sense of urgency that wow, we got to get this stuff done. So. Definitely getting the drainage tile work done first, like we did last year, which turned out to be a really smart move for us. We didn't know 2019 was going to be this wet, but uh, it was, and it, it certainly paid to have additional drainage done. But this year, we're also looking at some of the fertility things, trying to build things up to have a really successful 2020. So lots of things going on here. So before we get to anything else, I was just going to tell you today, I was talking to an agronomist this morning and basically talking him off the ledge about, oh, it's a bad year and I'm depressed and everything else. And I'm like, look, you got to put everything into perspective. And I said, yes, it's a little bit different for me because I've lived through a lot of bad things. I was in uh, high school and college and I was actually starting to work um, back in the 80s when times were, if you think times are bad now, uh, think back to the 1980s. So if you if you aren't old enough to remember, ask somebody who is, and they'll tell you how bad it was then. So I think about that, and this is one of the things I was telling the agronomist this morning. Next thing I said is 1993. I lived through that. Um, prevent plant was as bad or worse in 1993. In fact, there are some counties right around us that were absolutely worse in 93 than they than they turned out to be this year. So I said, yep, it's bad this year. I'm not saying it's not bad, but I've lived through worse. And then the next thing is just uh, about a month and a half ago, I spent a few days in India. If you ever start thinking that you've got it bad, I really encourage you to go to any third world country and spend a week there. You're going to be so unbelievably happy to get home. And all of a sudden, everything that was bad here is great. So I understand that this is not a great year. It wasn't a great year for us either. But I said, hey, at the end of the day, we're still here. We're still going to be okay. We're going to farm again next year. Everything's going to get farmed next year. And so I realize that there are a lot of the farmers you're talking to, they're kind of depressed right now. I mean, that's just, that's part of the deal. Your job, I said as an agronomist, is to make sure that farmers understand there are tremendous opportunities moving forward and we got to stay positive. So I realize it's easy to get negative and there's all this stuff that's going against us, but we also still get to live and work and farm in just a fantastic area in the world. And by the way, coming back to that third world country thing, when you look at the United States and Canada, we are two of the very, very few countries around the entire world that are not on that list. So when you're in the United States or Canada, if you don't realize how good you've got it, like I say, travel the world a little bit and you will soon find out. So I, I, I was telling this agronomist this morning, I said, I think about even our farm. My 
goodness, it's been a challenge. And we had to change varieties. We had to uh, switch cropping plans. We lost a bunch of acres this fall, too. The river came out of its banks, flooded us out. Um, we stopped taking crop insurance a few years ago. We're, we're basically self-insured. So there go 150 acres of profit. Yep, I could complain about all that stuff, but what am I spending my time doing? I'm spending my time saying, boy, despite the tough year, we still had some fields that did over 200. We have a couple fields that did over 240. Um, we had a handful of fields that did over 65 bushel soybeans. I, I'm not focused on the... 120 bushel corn in one field. I'm not focused on the uh, 25 bushel soybeans I got in one field. I'm looking at the whole thing, the big picture. And by the time it all gets said and done, you know what? On our farm, despite all the problems, we're still going to make some money this year. So we're okay. And I, I just think too often in agriculture, we get focused on weather, trade deals, grain markets, all these things that seemingly are always against us. But let's not forget about all the positive, great things we have going for us. Look at all the technology you've got. I mean, chances are you're holding a, or if you're driving, you're not holding it, but it's in your car, a nice cell phone that'll give you all kinds of information, uh, almost anything you want or need. You're probably driving in a fairly nice vehicle, maybe a fairly nice tractor or combine or whatever. So no, times could be an awful lot worse. So stay positive, whether you're a farmer, agronomist, anybody in agriculture, there are a lot of great things. And also, I would just say for all of us farmers, we always have to be optimistic that next year is going to be a great year. So that's why we're pushing as hard as we are. Like on our farm, I said, guys, we got a week left and we're going to, and ground's going to be froze. So we got one more week of pushing it pretty hard, then we're done. Okay, done for the season, done till next spring. So let's just push hard for the next week. We'll get her done and we'll be in great shape. So yeah, we're going to finish harvest tonight or tomorrow and we'll finish all our fertility and, and uh, field work next week. Yeah, we'll still tile for probably three, two, three more weeks after that. But I mean, that's pretty easy compared to everything else we're doing. Well, lots of things to be thankful for. Like you said, we are lucky in our area. We got a good stretch of dry weather finally for the first time in two years, and we're taking advantage of it. We're getting some things done out in the field. And, you know, the other thing that I'm really thankful for is we've got a heated shop, Brian. So, yeah, it's going to freeze. It's going to get cold. But guess what the next job will be? Pulling equipment inside that heated shop and getting things fixed up and ready to go for next year. So that will be kind of fun, too, just to, to get things all tuned up and ready to raise even higher yields going into the the 2021, or sorry, no, 2020 growing season. I'm thinking way ahead here. All right. Uh, you may not be thinking ahead. You may be thinking of what's going on right now on the farm, and we'd love to hear what's happening. Our, our phone lines will be open all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, AgPHD Media, Brian Hefty or Darren Hefty. We'll be right back. Every farmer knows there are lots of steps to having a perfect season. Don't let your fertilizer plan be the step that trips you up. For over 35 years, AgroLiquid has had the experts and the products that'll help you move closer to your target. No matter when you apply fertilizer, no matter how, you'll hit the bullseye. AgroLiquid can help you increase yields and crop quality. To learn more, go to agroliquid.com. AgroLiquid moves you closer to your target. 
Want to cut production costs without losing yield? Brian Ryberg from Buffalo Lake, Minnesota has done just that. Here's his story. We began using a soil warrior in our farm the fall of 2014. We've seen many benefits from better water infiltration, a lot less hours on equipment, fuel, able to reduce our fertilizer side. So it's really simplified our operation. See what makes Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. A pasture should have two things, grass and cattle. No weeds, no brush. That's why Chaparral Herbicide offers the broadest spectrum weed control available. It controls weeds other products can miss, like buckbrush and Canada thistle. And less weeds and brush in your pastures means more forage, so you spend less on feed. Chaparral also suppresses seed heads, lessening the effects of fescue toxicosis, all while providing season-long residual control. Visit NoWeedsNoBrush.com today and learn more about Chaparral. As your corn crop grows and the ear begins to form, potassium is at a high demand, almost as high as nitrogen. The same is true for soybeans with similar high demands of potassium during pod fill. Don't fall behind and ensure your crop is getting its potassium with Catalyst. Catalyst by Actigrow has been shown to be the best at entering the leaf when compared to other leading potassium products. Visit k-supercharged.com for more information. Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. That means we're taking your calls and questions all throughout the show, and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's start off in Michigan. We've got John with us right now. Hopefully, uh, John's got some good news about how harvest is progressing there. John, how are you doing today? Good. How are you guys today? Good, good. So what's happening in Michigan? Well, uh, uh, we're on a little bit of a rain out right now, but I would say things are are moving slow but steady. Um, for us, we're all wrapped up on beans, but it was kind of a easy go. We had a, a lot of preventive plant acres on the on the bean side. We just dipped into the corn here a, a couple days ago before this rain pattern set in, so we're we're kind of just sitting on the sideline. Maybe tomorrow or Monday we'll we'll get back at it. Um, I think everybody in my neighborhood's probably about ready to be done with this year. We've been too wet, too dry, and now we're starting to get back to that too wet pattern again. So uh, kind of been a challenging year. Yeah, we're definitely ready to get done with 2019 as well. Uh, okay, so talk to us about that corn that you just started uh, just started getting going on. What what moisture percentage are we down to? I, I was running 24s, which uh, actually I was kind of pleased with that compared to some of the other things I had heard. Uh, a third of our corn was planted the first couple days of June, I'm expecting that to be pretty wet. Uh, until we got a frost, it, it was a lot greener than, than the early planted stuff. So uh, uh, we're probably going to see the gas man a lot this fall, I'm afraid. But uh, I, I had worried that it was going to be wetter than it is. So uh, not a normal year, but not a disaster, you know. Talk to us about the prevent plant acres. Have you been able to get into any of those? You said you went dry for a little while there. Were you able to get out and, and uh, remedy some of the problems in those fields? Yeah, once we did get dry, it kind of gave us an opportunity to get a bunch of lime spread and, and things like that on those farms. And then uh, actually for me, it worked out good that the natural or my normal rotation would have been most of those farms would have gone to beans and then wheat this fall. So we were able to get the 
the wheat in kind of timely on those farms, which was nice. Uh, normally our window for getting wheat in is pretty tight. You know, we're kind of chasing the combine, trying to get beans off and, and get wheat in at the same time. So on those acres, it, it was really nice to just kind of fix some problems, pick some stones, get that line done, and, and we were ready to go, you know, uh, uh, to plant wheat when that came along. So uh, and, and probably had the best stands of wheat on those acres uh, that I've had in a long time just because of the early planting date. So, uh, um, you know, again, not an ideal year, but we made the best of it, and, uh, and I think it'll be all right. We experimented with a little bit of cover crops on, on some of those acres. Uh, I was a bit hesitant to, to put something on everything. I didn't want something that was going to mess up my wheat in, in the fall, you know. So that's, that's kind of how we dealt with the preventive plant acres this year. Yeah, that's that's a real positive. I mean, to take something that that wasn't good, and I, I love what you said. We're doing some long term things here, really picking rock, getting lime out there, uh, and that kind of thing. I know a lot of guys have talked about putting in some drain tile lines or or fixing ones that they're having trouble with. That's an an opportunity you don't get very much, just because, like you said, we've got compressed time windows all the time. Now you got beans done. You got corn still uh, just getting going here on harvest. How much time is it going to take you when the weather straightens out here to finish up the corn? Oh, probably two weeks to catch it for me. Um, you know, our dryers the bottleneck, so we just combine enough every day to to keep the wet bin full, and and that's about it. So uh, all my own ground is all pattern tiled, so I'm not too worried about the. Uh, battling mud yet you know and getting it out just as we're just kind of waiting for a few nice days you know to to run so i don't think it'll be too bad i was uh well let me back up the bean crop was pretty poor this year or for me it was anyway uh we just didn't get rains from the end of june till the first of september so uh that really hurt us uh huge swings in the yield monitor sand moles clay knobs Maybe you'd see zero to five bushel, you'd get off of those, and yield monitor would be at, at 75 or 80, you know. So we just didn't have a good, consistent crop on, on any farm. Uh, well below my APH is where we wound up. Um, corn fared a little bit better just from the little bit that I've done. Uh, it's not going to be a record year, but it's not going to be a disaster either. We'll probably be at, at, at our APH or a plus better, I'm thinking on that. Yep. Yeah. Little, little nuggets here and there. It's been, uh, been pretty spotty. I know a lot of farmers I've talked to said it's been really variable out there. You're real thankful when you, you hit some of those good spots for sure. Uh, John, thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much, John. Really appreciate talking to you. Good luck here. Hopefully, uh, you don't have to burn quite as much drying fuel as you fear that you do, but, uh, judging by your own experience, I'm kind of betting that you do this year. That's right. Take care, guys. Have a good day. You bet. You too. I got Mike with us down in Arizona right now. Mike, how you doing? Hey, Darren. How you going? How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, I just talked to you a couple of weeks ago. What uh, what you up to right now? Yes, I did. That's where I'm going. I'm actually going through Springfield, Missouri right now. Okay, so what are you seeing? What are you seeing along the way? I'm seeing... I'm seeing a lot of soybeans not thrashed. I see some corn still in the field. I see, uh, looks like it's been pretty wet. Yeah, yeah, that's been a, uh, been a safe statement this year. Yes, and uh, no, I'm headed to Purdue to go to the Nebraska game tomorrow with Cameron there at the Ag Engineering. Oh, so, neat, neat. Yeah, yeah, so 
so you're all hooked up down there in uh in uh maricopa right oh yeah yeah we're we're all set to head down there this winter no doubt about it so so you get around a little bit you do a little farming up uh in idaho you do some farming down in arizona what what kind of year do you have in those places well uh buell we had some good harvest conditions uh that storm about two weeks ago was rough we had a lot of damage around buell uh, a lot of corn blown over and whatnot. Uh, beans are still trying to harvest that the edible beans, you know. Yep. Um, Arizona, it's been kind of crazy. We had the first frost yesterday morning. Uh, China did help, I think. You know, I talked to you guys before. We had trouble with the Milo, you know, with the insect problem. Yes, with sugar cane and aphids. So had to do, right. We had that aphid, and, and they were bad. We sprayed a couple times some of the some of the of the sorghum and uh and i think the frost might you know actually help a little bit here but uh it'll be ready to harvest they started on it within the next two weeks and uh it, it's better than it was you know the last couple of years we've had those uh big storms come through and it seemed like it's helped it that way so so that looks good the cotton you know is still far off you know still a lot of bulls but it looks pretty decent uh it's been kind of up and down you know this year had uh, some really good crops and some really bad ones, so, so that's how it is. But, uh, but yeah, you mentioned that, so this clinic this winter down there in that Phoenix area, is that a, you said a planter clinic? Is that correct? Yeah, it's it's something uh, Randy Dowdy has put together, a group of folks. He calls it the Next Level Program, and, and uh, actually it's something that, that Randy's working on for, for his his folks, I guess it's a private event, not a big ag PhD uh, uh, event that we're doing down there. But, but yeah, it'll be interesting just to see how that goes. I know a lot of a lot of folks are asking, you know, how do you get more involved with Randy Dowdy and Dave Hula, these kinds of things. And this is something that that those guys put on. You could you can search for that online. Uh, just type in Dowdy Next Level, and you'll you'll get to uh, get to his website. Okay, so basically, what are they going to plant there? That's a great question. I think uh, I think they're doing some equipment things, more more equipment demos than than uh, uh, doing crop demos uh, to speak. But but uh, again, it's not a it's not an egg PhD event. That's just something those guys are doing down there. That that uh, I think we'll get involved with that, uh, just from a personal standpoint, anyway. So is it going to kind of coincide with you guys' clinic or, or how, no? How's no, that it's nope. Nothing to do with nothing to do with us at all. But. Um, Okay. But yeah, again, that's uh, that's their that's their deal. But you, uh, what do you do? Do you head? Do you in Arizona all through the winter? Oh yeah, mostly. You know, because we're busy down there. I got more ground uh, coming up than uh, that I, I bought and whatnot. So yeah, we're going to be busy with that this winter. Uh, you know, Buell, we we've, we've kind of got cold early. Everything and we had some snow. Yeah, you, you don't have to. You don't have to tell us about the snow, Mike. We we know all about that being in the Great White North where we're at too. Hey, Mike, good talking to you again. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Your grain bin fans can cost you a lot. High electric bills from running when conditions are not ideal, shrinkage from overdried grain, and spoiled grain all take money out of your pocket. With the STEPS GMS app temperature humidity switch, get your bin fans to start making you money. Only run vans when the conditions are right. Eliminate shrink and spoilage in your bins. Deliver grain in top condition at market moisture. When every dollar counts, you need STEPS GMS. 
Contact us today at stepsgms.com. For generations, your family has given their all to create a farming legacy. The fields now in your care are a heavy responsibility to sustain. You can't control when or how rain falls, but you can ensure your fields remain productive by taking water drainage into your own hands with the Soil Max Gold Digger Tile Plow. Soil Max Tile Plows bring a quick return in dollars, but no ROI is greater than a family's farming future. Let Soil Max ensure your greatest investment continues. Visit SoilMax.com to learn more. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. If you're a rancher who's obsessed with keeping your pastures clear, turn to Grace on Next Herbicide. It offers superior broadleaf weed control, so instead of thinking about weeds, you can think about the money you'll save growing more grass and buying less feed. Used early in the season, Grazon Next also provides residual activity that controls newly emerged weed seedlings, giving you season-long control. Start enhancing your land while you protect it. Visit leavetheweedstoss.com to learn more about Grazon Next. Always read and follow label directions. When it comes to my weed control, I know a head start can go a long way. That's why I spray early, so I can keep control all season long with a Roundup Ready Extend Crop System. The system that makes the difference. This is my field. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System for control of more weeds than any other soybean system. Featuring Extendamax herbicide with vapor grip technology to manage tough-to-control weeds, including up to 14 days of soil activity, along with the field-proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. Now you have the right tools to extend your weed control and extend your yield with the system that makes the difference. Learn how you can put the system to work in your field when you visit RoundupReadyExtend.com. Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Performance may vary. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Check local regulations for specific requirements in your state. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today on Farmer Friday. Our phone lines are open at 844 844- 44 ag phd if you'd like to call in and have a chat about harvest or about any agronomic question you may have got jeff with us up in north dakota and i thought it was interesting jeff that we're talking to mike who farms down in arizona and he was talking about some snow and frost and i said oh we know all about those things in the dakotas yeah yeah we do uh we actually had a little light dusting of snow this morning so so how's how's harvest uh, going where you guys are at you guys missed the big snow though didn't you yeah, we only had a couple of inches. Uh, we missed that October snowstorm. Uh, we missed out on the snow. We had a little bit of rain, a little bit of snow, but we were able to get back into harvesting our soybeans within about five, six days after that. So we were able to get back up and going on them pretty quick. Yep. Overall, what uh, what's still out in the fields for crops in your area? In our area, all oh, there's wheat. Uh, we got the spring wheat. There's guys with spring wheat, durum wheat. Soybeans, canola, sunflowers, corn, pretty much a little of everything out there still. It's wow. Just, 
Yeah, that spring wheat was kind of a nightmare this year. What is it? Is there any that's still in decent condition or? No, it's all. Uh, it's all right now. Anything that's still out there, the falling numbers are probably sixty, and you know, at the base level of sixty, and uh, yeah, it's most of it's all feed wheat. Um, you guys are just trying to decide what to do with it and uh, stuff like that. I got some friends I know that are out doing setting up burn burn breaks around the field right now in case that's what they do is just burn them off but uh we were uh we've we uh we had about half our wheat off before the first rain and so we fought and got it off and dried it and stuff so we've got three different stages of wheat that we have sitting in the bend so it's makes it a little more interesting trying to fill bends and move grain around because you got to keep it segregated by rains but you got stuff that's got the good falling numbers, the mediocre, and then you got your feed wheat. So it's been making it a little interesting, but we're making it work. Yeah, what a process, no doubt about it. It's been uh, one of the stories that I think nationwide is just not getting enough press, the the issues that you've had to deal with in your area. It's been just crazy. Uh, when, when you think about that, too, not being able to get a crop out of the field, I think about all the things that you want to do to that ground to get it ready for next year, and that all gets put on hold as well. Has there been much field work done in some of these fields? No, we haven't uh, done any field work. Uh, we actually just finished soybeans on Tuesday. Um, the ground had firmed up enough where we were able to go out and continue we only had one day where we had to put headers in the shop to thaw them out they had a combine when it was 34 degrees out and got a little water on the last field and uh parked them for the night and it got down to 25 and our canvases were froze so threw them in the heated shop for about two hours everything turned we took off and got going we were fortunate enough that was the only issue we had um i know some guys are having to put combines and headers in the shop at night just trying to thaw them out and keep everything going i've been hearing guys taking cleaning fans out now with just a little light snow we've had the last couple of days so it's we're we still got some flowers and corn to do but we're not in a rush right now uh, with a little bit of snow and with it being 30 degrees or so we'll just gum up our combines so we're we're holding off on doing any of our fall the rest of our fall crops right now until it kind of cools off yeah the corn i'm not as worried about as the flowers what are the what kind of condition are they in um, so far as our looks pretty good. Uh, they're standing quite well still considering the rain and all the wind we've had. Uh, there's a little bit of head rot out there. Not too bad. Um, we're hoping to maybe get started up on our flowers next week. The corn, we, that's a toss up right now. I hand thrashed some corn here about five, six days ago and it was 29, 30 moisture yet. So, I mean, we might, we might be waiting off, not holding off on the corn until December just letting it naturally dry a little bit because 30 moisture is an awful chew when that's when you got to raise the air temp that much up here yeah yeah no kidding well jeff uh, we'll sure be thinking about you guys up there i know uh, brian talked about some of the harvest challenges earlier on the show but when you got those cold temps to go with it and wet soils it's it's pretty tricky you kind of want it to warm up but then again you kind of need it to be cold to be out there too so it's we, you want it to, you want it to, you want it to freeze so that you can get around out in the field it's been in- interesting trying to get some of the guys I know and getting trucks in and out of fields. Uh, we were fortunate enough to be able to have some prairie roads we could park trucks on, but I know some guys are having a tough time getting trucks out of the field. So it'd be nice for it to firm up, but then we'd like it to warm back up so we could get some other stuff done. But I guess late in the year like this, we'll just take what we can get. 
Yep, yep, that's for sure. Well, Jeff, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Thanks for sharing what's going on up in North Dakota, and good luck to you here the rest of Harvest. Okay, thank you. Let's head out to Colorado. we got Kevin with us right now. Kevin, how are you doing? Doing well. How are you? Good, good. So how's uh, how's Harvest going in the West? Uh, we've got about, oh, ballpark 300 acres of corn left, and then, I don't know, probably 700 acres or so of milo left to go, and... Uh, That'll be it. It's it, we've been going at it since about the twenty something of September, so it's been a haul. But we've really had pretty open weather. We just had a lot to get through, so we're uh, we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, you know, if the weather cooperates, it's it's uh, long hours, but it's it's not that bad a job. I mean, it's kind of fun doing this stuff too for a while uh, when things are going well. What's what have you learned out of the corn? Has your moisture been as bad as it's been in some areas of the country? You've been pretty good. No, we've been fine. Our our struggle this year was just hail. Every time we were turning around, we were getting something hailed on. And so, you know, we took a bad hail about the 20-something of June. It, come with, it wasn't big hail, but it was a lot of it with about probably 80-mile-an-hour winds. And it was just at that stage where, you know, if, if, you, if you had planted your corn real early and it was big and thick, it, it, just, it just stripped it and it'd come back out of it. If it was real small, it'd just mow it off and grow back. But we were kind of in between, and so we had to destroy some some of it we left and it's got thin spots in it but we've we've really struggled uh, we're always thankful for moisture out in our part of the country but it come with some hail struggles this year so we've we've had some some spots and some fields that haven't been a whole lot of fun just because they've been you know you know it hailed on corn it opens yeah. it up and then the ears tend to want to fall off and stuff once in it's just it's uh it, it you know there's fields where one end will be good and or farms where one end will be good and one end will be junk so it's kind of just been a challenge but as far as moisture goes we you know we were had good moisture this spring to get everything in and really we're you know haven't struggled too much we kind of rain kind of shut off in august and we haven't had a lot since then but we just got some snow the other day and, and a couple inches and we're just back going today uh on corn again so what about the milo kevin how how'd the milo fare through through the weather that you had well, it's um, well, a lot of our milo right now has gone down. It's, lay, it's lodged, it's laid on the ground. It, we've had some pretty bad blows, and it took it down. Um, we have to, we've got the row head. We'll have to put it on and try to pick up what we can of it. Um, some of the milo that got hailed on, if it would have been hailed a little bit earlier, it probably would have been all right, but it, it was late enough. It went ahead and regrew and headed back out, but you know, it, I don't think it quite had enough heat units. I haven't heard the report. We had some custom cutters do some on another farm and i haven't heard what that ended up being like but uh all in all it's good milo we like i said it's just down so if we can get it up i think the yields will be good it's just probably going to be a, a slow go trying to get it done yep yep so uh you got a good two-month run of harvest what what happens next do you do a lot of fall fertility or or how do you handle the ground after harvest is done we don't really uh, here lately we haven't been doing a lot in the fall because we've been leasing out our stocks to some neighbors to run cattle on oh sure and uh so we've been uh, haven't been doing our ship till in the fall we a few years ago we did but then here lately we've had some guys renting the stocks so a lot of our fertility and stuff gets done in the spring we usually on our kind of medium soils and, and just our climate we usually have an opportunity to get in and get the strip till done and stuff and the dry land's all no-till um so we'll we'll mainly put most of our fertility on in uh in the spring 
so once we get done here, we start doing a lot of trucking. We haul a lot to feed lots in the winter of our corn, and, and then just uh, start start going through equipment, getting ready for another year. Yep, yeah, it just never ends. There's just the next job, then the next job, then the next job. That's just how farming goes. Hey, Kevin, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on here. Stay safe the rest of harvest. All right, thank you, guys. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor herbicide brands. Always read and follow label directions. Worried about glyphosate-resistant weeds and grasses in your corn? Unleash the power of new Impact Z herbicide and get the early post-application advantage you've been waiting for. Save $3 per acre when you combine Impact Z with a qualifying insecticide purchase. Go to buy2save3.com for details. Buy2Save3 is a service mark and Impact Z is a trademark owned by AMVAC Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. If your fertilizers aren't formulated to maximize your efficiency, if you can't mix all the PK and micros your crop needs into one prescription application, if you have to add products to improve and invigorate your soil biology, then you need to expect more from your fertilizer. With AgroLiquid's advanced technology, you can expect more, a lot more. Make the most of your crop nutrition. With AgroLiquid, to find a crop nutrition expert near you, visit agroliquid.com. When looking for someone to help with your risk management, a key component to look for is patience. Patience to bring you along in the process at your own speed. Patience to learn about your operation. And patience to not only discuss what strategies may be effective for your plan, but why they would be effective. That's the strength of Grain PhD. I'm Darren Hefty. When you're ready to become more engaged in your risk management, Grain PhD can assist you with that process. Visit grainphd.com to learn more. We didn't get to the moon by accepting that man can't fly, and we sure didn't get the car by settling for the horse. Progress isn't driven by accepting things as they are. It's driven by asking questions. At Indigo, we're working with farmers to question the entire agriculture system, to reimagine everything from soil to sale. Yeah, we like the big projects. Go to indigoag.com questions to find out more. Indigo, from questions we grow. Bean growers continue to see yield loss from white mold across the Midwest this season. To maximize next year's crop, a white mold prevention strategy that includes Contans WG soil fungicide is a must for your farming operation. Applying Contans this fall to reduce the sclerotia in the soil is the most effective way to stop white mold at its source. Start a Contans white mold control strategy this fall or pay for it later in lost yield. Listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's Farmer Friday on our show today. If you'd like to call in and discuss an agronomic topic, we'd love to hear from you. Or if you just want to talk about how things are going on the fall this harvest season, 
That would be great too. Eight four four on the fall. On oh, on the farm this fall. <laughs> there you That's go. Isn't that what I said? <laughs> no, maybe not. Eight four four forty four ag phd. See, I didn't think Brian was listening, but I guess he was. I guess he was paying attention to what I was saying there. Uh, let's head down to Kansas. Got Brett with us right now. Brett, how's harvest going? You know, we're uh, we're actually picking corn right now. Um, on our personal farm, we're probably about sixty percent finished by now. Uh, maybe a little better. We uh, we had a snowstorm on Monday, well, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. That pretty much shut us down. We just finally got cranked back up this morning. So. You know, when uh, when that snow comes, it's it's no fun. And I, I know uh, being in the north, we've certainly seen that uh, a time or two. Uh, is, is it all melted and gone in your area? Did you warm up enough to get rid of it? So yesterday it warmed back up to about 45 degrees, and it's about 50 right now. So all that snow is done melted away, and we're back to where we were before it came. So. Good, good. Yeah, that's that's the nice thing. If it's early enough that you still got some warmth out there. We, we've been kind of struggling on the cold side, but fortunately we're still staying dry here. Uh, yields all over the place on our farm. How about for you? Are they, uh, are they consistently good, consistently bad, or, or pretty darn variable? So um, October 18th, if you picked your corn before then, you had good yield. If you're picking it after, you do not have good yield. There was about 40 hours straight of anywhere 40 to 65 mile an hour straight line winds, and it blew just about every seven of corn over in Sheridan County. Wow. Okay. Um, hearing any reports from... 30 up to about 150 bushel yield loss, uh, beers on the ground. Oh, what a nightmare. What a nightmare. Now, yeah, it's, it's not been fun. We've actually had to pick four fields one way because it was leaned over so bad. Yeah, yeah, we've we've had that one year where we had to do a lot of that, and uh, I know from experience you couldn't pay me enough to be out there doing that again. But <laughs> unfortunately, you don't get a choice. It's just uh, well, that's what you're dealt, so you got to deal with it. You know, what are you doing on some of these fields then, where ears are on the ground? Do you have cattle that you can send out there? You got neighbors with cattle that that can graze them? So personally, I run a registered Angus seed stock herd, so I mean, I do have cows, but uh, I mean. With the amount of economic loss the guys are f- focusing on right now, with I would say an average of 50 bushel on the ground, they're, we're trying anything and everything to pick that back up, whether it's breaking into a windrow and use a you know a windrow pickup head like you guys do with the North Country, trying to solve some of that. To, um, just I've heard one guy went out with just a flex draper, set his header flat on the ground and tried to scoop as much of it back up into his combine as he could. Uh, it's, it's just kind of all over the place. Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough thing to have happen, especially in the fourth quarter like that when you're just ready to close things out. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, all my other questions that I had for you about uh, fall work and all this kind of stuff kind of go out the window when you got 50 bushels of corn <laughs> laying on the ground. That kind of takes precedence <laughs> over everything else. Uh, oh, yeah. my goodness. So uh, let's let's talk pre-October 18th then. Any big lessons that you learned this year that you said, wow, that's something that is going to change how we farm going forward? You know, we, we've kind of known this for a couple of years, but it's the, the sand establishment we had this spring, if it was wet, as cool as it was, that, that trumped everything. We learned a lot there that, I mean, we have been learning that for a few years now, but 
it really, really showed big time this year that you got to get that crop up and get it going. And, uh, you know, disease, with all the rain we had, humidity, uh, disease, and then it's kind of weird because it went from really wet to extremely dry and turned around and fought spider mites. So um, disease and insect control really trumped all this year, but the number one thing is an establishment by far, by none. Yeah, was there anything that helped against those winds late season? Uh, I mean, you said almost everybody blew down. Uh, was there anything agronomically that a guy could do or, or the direction the rows sat or anything that helped? You know, it didn't really seem to affect road direction at all. Um, all hybrids, I mean, you know, you usually hear about one variety or one company that blew over, but it was anybody and everybody really... It just it, it took everybody. As far as I know, there was only one corn variety that stood out. It was a channel variety. Uh, it stayed up. And, okay. And just because I shouldn't say all the corn blew over because some of it just flipped years. I mean, like the field I'm picking in right now, it's standing like a rock, but there's probably 30, 40 bushel on the ground just that it flipped off the plant. So um, really nothing agronomically that we did prevented it or could have helped it. Uh, even hybrid selection didn't seem to affect it at all. So. That's a pretty tough hand when you get uh, that kind of wind for 40 straight hours. It's uh, that late in the year when the plants are dying down, it's it's quite a challenge. We've been talking with Brett down in Kansas. Brett, good luck. I know, uh, I know you got to really pay attention when, when you got all those kind of conditions that you're dealing with, too, and you got uh, still almost half the crop yet to go. Good luck to you. Stay safe, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Karen. You bet. Yeah, that's a challenge. I remember, Brian, the year uh, that we had a lot of corn that had to go one-way harvesting. That That's no fun. You don't get many acres done in a day, and it's not very satisfying at the end of the day either. Yeah, I mean, we didn't have lots of acres to do that way. But, you know, it's one of those things we do talk about. As much as we can control things, we try to. And also, I mean, getting the crop off as early as possible in the fall, obviously, like he said, is super helpful. So, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we can talk about all the things that are going on and all the steps you can take to try to prevent that. But rather than do that, I think let's uh, let's just get right to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag. All right, Brian, this one comes from Lindy, who said, I'm wondering if you could tell me a little about how soil fertility can affect plant diseases. And are there some known correlations of high or low soil fertility and increased disease pressure, either bacterial, fungal, or viral, uh, that you're aware of? Uh, well, I, I don't have anything super specific to give you at, uh, well, I, I'll give you one specific thing. And this isn't pH, or this isn't uh, fertility, this is pH. Iron deficiency chlorosis. A lot of people call it a disease. I don't really. But anyway, if your pH is below 7, you don't have it. If your pH is above 7, you do. So that's pretty cut and dried. In terms of just overall fertility, we say this all the time on the show. I don't care if you're a conventional farmer, if you're an organic farmer, if you're no-till, if you do lots of tillage. It doesn't matter in that we need to have healthy plants out there to begin with, and they're just more tolerant to diseases, period. I mean, that's a proven fact. And it's the same thing in human beings. So very similar. Same thing in livestock. If you give any 
organism a better balanced diet, more nutritious, then they're more likely to handle any stress well. And in this case, the stress you're talking about is disease. So you have to look at not just NP and K, but also, I already mentioned soil pH. You want to take a look at the secondary nutrients, the micronutrients, just everything in general. And also, you want to consider placement and you want to consider how much you're putting in each spot. So here's where I'm going with this. I was just talking to a farmer a couple nights ago, and he said, yeah, I hear these, you know, some of these world record guys have really light soil. Boy, that that must be bad soil. And I go, look, (laughs) I don't care what the soil is. The whole point is we have to feed the crop every day. And, yeah, for those guys, they have a lot of work to do because they have light soil that can't hold much. Now, the flip side of that is we have very heavy soil and not a lot of rain typically, so we can't just move nutrients around in the soil very well. So that's where placement comes in. But then you got to be careful with that because if you put too much in one spot where you know the plant's going to get it, well, you could actually burn roots off and cause problems. So, I mean, there's there's really a lot to it. It is kind of complicated, but just to make it super simple, I'll just tell you plants have a need for a certain amount of all nutrients every single day during the growing season. And if we can better provide that as farmers, we're going to have better yields, we're going to have less disease issues, and we're going to have just overall better profitability. Well, we will continue answering your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag next. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic fungicides from Atticus LLC. Fungal diseases can be devastating, but Acadia, Slant, and Talaris 4.5F from Atticus deliver lasting, broad-spectrum fungi control so your soybeans, sugar beets, and dry beans can thrive. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. No one has to explain stress to a farmer. That's like explaining wind shear to a pilot. Now, Mother Nature stresses corn the way markets, bankers, and politics can stress you. But there's a proven way to reduce stress. With Headline Amp Fungicide, you'll see the difference. It decreases stress from disease, drought, hail, and heat, so your corn can focus on what matters most, better yields. Talk to your local rep about Headline Amp Fungicide and BASF Plant Health. Always read and follow label directions. There's a new authority in town. New Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC combines the best-in-class Group 14 PPO herbicide with the newest Group 15 herbicide for lasting residual control of water hemp, palmer amaranth, kochia, pigweed, and other tough, resistant weeds. This exclusive liquid premix of single-application chemistries protects your soybeans from pre-plant to harvest. It also protects your bottom line. Authority Supreme Herbicide qualifies for the agronomic and economic incentives of the FMC Freedom Pass program. Rule your soybean fields with more authority than ever before with Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC. More powerful preventative control isn't on the horizon, it's here. Visit your FMC retailer or fmccrop.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions, restrictions, and precautions for use. Authority Supreme Herbicide is not registered for sale or use in California. FMC and Authority are trademarks of FMC Corporation or an affiliate. We plant corn in Iowa, spray soybeans in Illinois. We pull calves in Kansas, farrow hogs in Minnesota. 
We raise rice in Arkansas, rye in Canada, and wheat everywhere in between. We farm millions of acres across North America and build every piece of Case IH equipment. Built by farmers, for farmers. Case IH. Rethink productivity. The last thing you want after harvesting your grain is to spoil it before it goes to market. The Grain Temp Guard from Farm Shop MFG is a low-cost bin monitoring solution that tracks temperature and humidity and alerts you when conditions exceed safe thresholds. Visit farmshopmfg.com. Tired of that old warped poly boom ruining your spray applications? Express Boom from Hypro is a fully assembled stainless steel boom that ensures an even application of chemicals every time. Don't wait another season. Upgrade today. Hypro, helping you spray better. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's Farmer Friday. We're taking your calls and questions throughout the rest of the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. We're also right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time now. You can send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, Ag PhD Media, Brian Hefty or Darren Hefty. Uh, let's jump back into some questions here. I got one. This is from Joe. He said, for thistles... Uh, you, you're talking about shelter belt weed control here. He said for thistles, how about using 2,4-D and triclopyr combos, like something like crossbow, for example. I have a lot of trouble killing thistles. They always seem to come back on me. Even full-labeled rate glyphosate doesn't seem to get them completely. But when I use this kind of combo, it does an okay job for me. Okay, let me first say if full-rate glyphosate isn't doing the job for you, it's probably too watered down. I would strongly encourage you cut back your water rate and continue to use the full labeled rate of glyphosate. Also, you could throw a surfactant in there. You could use a little bit, just a tiny amount of ammonium sulfate, for example, a water conditioner, and that will help your results. So there is nothing better. Triclopyr is not even close to the weed killer that Roundup is on thistles. There are no resistant thistles that we know of in the world to Roundup. It's excellent. That's the very best thing. So talking about triclopyr and 2,4-D, you can do it. I mean, for the most part, you're just going to burn top growth down. So that's kind of how I look at it. Triclopyr is really a brush killer. It's not that great a thistle killer anyway. So if I wanted to get by cheap, I would do 2,4-D, just burn it to the ground. If I wanted to, well, actually, uh, glyphosate is pretty cheap as well. But So that's probably what I would use if I don't have grass that I'm trying to save or anything like that. And just keep it off the trees, but lower your water rate, and I'm going to guess that Roundup is going to start working for you. Oh, and I to explain even further, your droplets are not concentrated enough. So what you're getting on the thistle is not concentrated enough. And this we get this kind of question all the time from people who live in town and they buy that watered-down junk that you get at the hardware store or something that's like a million parts water and one part glyphosate. I, I mean, and I realize I'm super over-exaggerating, but you get the point. So we got to have a very concentrated droplet and also spray timing makes a lot of difference. You've got to do it a couple weeks before your first frost in the fall. If you spray after the first frost in the fall, yeah, glyphosate doesn't work very well after that point. All right, Brian, I get a, I'm going to, I get a, actually a text message here. This is from Aaron in Northern Minnesota, and I will forward that over to you because there's a picture involved in this. Uh, you said, get some, we're making for some great radio here, Darren. What, get, what do you, what do you well, got? What's the question? Okay. <laughs> 
so uh, so he's got some soybeans that that uh, caught some frost before they were a hundred percent ready. And he said the he's got many, green beans. Yeah, many, okay. Are many they going to the turn pods, yellow? Many of the pods were great. He said, yeah. but some of the pods, the beans were done. They're yellow on the inside, but yes. they've got kind of almost a yep. bluish grayish yep. outer appearance. They don't appear moldy. Is this just kind of a frost burn, or and have you seen this before? Yes. So let me just first say, if you have green beans in the fall, what that the the whole trigger is is basically is the inside yellow. If the inside is also green, well, you're stuck. Those are always going to be green beans. But if the just the outside edge is green, then it usually is going to end up turning yellow eventually. So as long as that interior is yellow, you're in good shape. Now, what's this exactly? Yeah, uh, I can't really tell the picture. I mean, it's hard when you look at pictures as opposed to in natural light and you see a live sample. So I, I can't tell exactly for sure because there there's probably some seed disease going on there too. That's almost what it looks like to me rather than frost. I've never seen a frost damage thing. but uh, Yeah, I think they yeah. were just about ready, Brian, and what happened is they caught some frost and a pretty hard one. And yeah. we, we've seen that kind of thing before where when you're looking at pods, a lot of times guys will say in the fall, okay, am I safe from frost? And we say, well, let's split open the pods. And if you split open the pods and the beans are no longer attached to the side of the pod, you're pretty safe. Right. But if the beans are still just even a little bit attached, that's where you get something like this, where they were still, you know, they still had a few days left to go. Now, I'm not talking about they had a month to go. The, these are beans that look like they had a few days to go. Yeah, and what's and- what's difficult difficult about this, too, is when you look up and down on a soybean plant, some pods are brown and mature, and other pods are not quite there yet. And the reason why is soybeans keep flowering. Well, from R1, they continue flowering until about R5.5. Indeterminate beans do, yes. Indeterminate beans in the northern part of the country. So yes. that's that's what we've got going on here, Aaron, is we've got some indeterminate beans that... that uh, have got uneven maturity on them, which is very normal. And the beans that were completely ready are all yellow. The other ones, if they're yellow in the middle, they'll store just fine. Uh, but it, the question is going to be and, the buyer. If you're going to a crushing plant or an extruder or something like that, they probably aren't going to have any issue with it. Okay. But if it's something where they're trying to export beans, that's a whole different deal. Okay. So usually these beans are just green. And yeah, my guess is maybe they got exceptionally cold before they ended up turning yellow on that outside. I, I honestly have never had it where they turn gray like this, but that's that's probably what's going on. But I can see there's yellow behind a lot of the gray even. So I don't know that I'm that terribly worried about it. All right, let's get back to the phone lines here. We got Tony calling in from Minnesota. Hey, Tony, how you doing today? Oh, good. How are you today? Doing great. What can we do for hey, you? Hey, quick question. Uh, brace roots on corn. Yep. What about them? Are there multiple reasons that they come out and they, are formed? They come out based on stress. So that stress could be caused by a number of different things. It's wind, just flat out windy. Uh, maybe the plant didn't, uh, it got planted a little shallow, so it doesn't have a good base. Doesn't maybe, have a good anchor. Right. Maybe the ears are so massive. And this is what my assumption is for you, Tony. Your it, it ears are so be. big <laughs> and the yield is so high that that That's plant be your just nickname simply now, couldn't Tony. hold it. Big ears. Tony, big ears. <laughs> now, you know, the other, thing, the other thing, Tony, is look at the level of disease that we had this year in fields and look at how wet some of this ground 
was for you know even a, a shorter period of time. Maybe it was just a matter of weeks rather than months. Uh, we had a lot of root systems that just got infected or or otherwise all plugged up, and we saw brace roots just for the plant to try to take up water and take up nutrients in some cases. So yeah, there's a lot of things. There's some kind of stress that happened. I'd split open the stalks, look at what's going on in the very lowest portion of the stalks, and just see. We are also seeing in certain places where we have the bracelet, the ears and the stock are much larger than the areas where there is no bracelet. Okay. Well, then in that case, it's a but good that's thing. A, that's an that's a anomaly, of course, but there is it is happening. Yeah. Well, there is some of that. Like Brian said, sometimes it's a positive thing that there's a lot of good things yeah. going on out there and you just needed more support for the plant. Is there a trigger for that that you know of? Well, like I say, it's it could be any number of different stresses. There's some kind of stress that's happening in that plant. And so that that's about as much as I can tell you. Okay. Well, thank you. All right. You bet. Thanks, yeah, thanks for uh, calling in. All right, next one, Darren, I, I, I wanted to get to this one. Um, this just came in from Nick. He says, I'm curious uh, if you guys have concerns over glyphosate now that there's some hard science showing long-lasting health issues with individuals exposed to it through application, drift, or consumption through grain-based foods. It's a very nuanced topic, so I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, no, there is zero hard evidence showing anything is wrong with glyphosate. Now, I realize there are all these lawsuits and all these lawyers are jumping on the whole thing, but, I mean, the governments continue to come out. There are regulatory agencies around the world that have continued to come out to say, um, we've been testing this for 50 years and found no problems. In fact, it's one of the safest things we've ever tested in terms of an ag chemical product. So to think that it's causing cancer, I mean, no, I, I'm I'm not buying it. I, I don't think there's any problem with it. But here's the whole issue. Because of all these lawsuits, here's what's most likely going to happen. It's going to really ridiculously raise everybody's insurance rates. And so the price of glyphosate is going to get... It would not surprise me if a year from now we're paying way higher prices for glyphosate. So eventually it's going to get priced out of the market. I think that's what's going to happen and glyphosate's going to disappear in the United States. Now it'll get used around the world in all these countries where they don't have insurance or don't have high insurance rates or whatever. But that's my guess. But it has zero to do with science. It has everything to do with propaganda that's out there. So anyway, yeah, if the EPA came out and said, hey, this is dangerous, guess what? It'd get pulled from the market real fast. Yep. Tricky, tricky political topic, unfortunately, and not science-based. Uh, that's that's a shame. That's That's not good for anybody. All right, we did have fun talking to farmers all across the continent today about harvest progress. In some areas, it's going well, as you can imagine. In some areas, it is not. So we're certainly thinking about all those farmers in the areas where the weather has been tough and soil conditions are difficult as well. Thanks for listening to our show. Please join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.